Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Have you got a million questions running in your mind about property settlement? Have you got even more questions running through your mind about superannuation? It is a big word and it is a big issue in a divorce property settlement. Today, we're going to be talking about the different types of superannuation, how they can be split, if they can be split, how they're valued, how you find them, and some of the nuances that you might not be aware of with super and your age during property settlement, and also the age-old issue of I promise I won't touch your super. (laughs) Welcome, Mum. Hello, Laura. You're so right. So superannuation, it's a big, boring word, and a lot of people when I was younger, in my 30s and 20s, did not give two hoots about super. Found it very annoying that some of our money went into super. But as you get older, super becomes more important to you. And I think for a lot of our listeners, I would say working your butts off for years and years and years and then knowing you have to potentially give some of it to your ex or working your butt off for years and years and years and never being paid super because you don't get paid super for looking after the kids. And then worrying that it's so unfair because they get all the super and you get nothing. So today we're going to have a big broad brush stroke look at this. Mum, does super, is super a problem a lot during, with your clients? Is it a big argument factor? Yeah, it is. It's super and the house are the two big ticket items. Some people have got cars and furniture and sometimes shares. They usually settle easily, but uh, super and property are the big ones. And of course, it's the mixture of those that the court gets to deal with as well. Because sleep is kind of funny. Yeah. Because we've done a lot of episodes on how to keep the house. I really want to keep the house. Do you ever have anyone going, I really just want to keep my super? Yes. You do. I've got two types of people. There's usually people like your younger self who didn't care mm-hmm. less about super. And then there are people who can tell you to the dollar what's in their super account every day. They're online, they look at it. And, and it is the I'll give you anything, but don't touch my super because they feel mm. that's a security thing. So yeah, there there are two types of people with super. Hardly anyone is neutral about super. So I guess one of the tips we could already provide, I guess you're saying, Mum, is know what your ex, which type your ex is. That's right. And try to use that in a way to your negotiation advantage. So let's just start from the super basics in case anyone has <laughs> no idea what super is. What is super and what are the types? So superannuation is uh, an amount of money that you put away over and above your annual salary, so super annual annuation over your annual salary, and it is put aside uh, for your old age, to be honest. Most superannuation funds have a preservation age in them. For most of our listeners, that will be in 60 or 65, that you can't touch your super until you get to that age, And, and it's a way of kind of enforced saving. In Australia, our employers put aside for us superannuation with every pay packet or they're supposed to. They're supposed to. <laughs> I think it's, it's like it started off at 9%, 10%. It might be up higher now. But that money sort of grows and ticks along. Uh, you can't access it. That's why people aren't bothered with it much when they're younger because it's like if you're 40, it's 20 years till it's relevant to you or, or maybe 25. So, you know, you're not interested. So that's what super is. It's an amount of money put aside for your retirement. Mm. Now, there are different legal types of super. Yes. 
Yes. There's like your run-of-the-mill ones. And what, yes. what other types are there? So, there? so people also add to their super, especially as they get older, they pay their own payments in. So there's three sorts I think you, you, our listeners would be interested in. Now, the first superannuation type is usually the one that most people have today, and that would be an accumulation fund. You put your dollars in and they just add up although the fund takes some money off, but you just keep adding money in and it grows and it gets interest and it grows. That's the main type of superannuation. The second sort of superannuation is a defined benefit superannuation. That one is tricky. That might show, so if you look on the statements, you might see defined benefit. It means that usually there is a percentage of your finishing salary that is paid to you then ongoing as a as a superannuation payment, as a pension or as a lump sum. And so a defined benefit fund, you can't just look at the look at the super fund and go, oh, that's how much it's worth. It's going to need to be valued. And they are generally much more valuable uh, than accumulation funds in my experience. All right. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. And there's also self-managed super funds, which are usually accumulation funds. So really uh, the defined benefit is some of the old government funds, old uh, police, uh, sorry, old um, army funds, sort of like that, or a really high up CEO in a business. But most people listening to us probably going to have accumulation funds or a self managed super fund, which may mm. pro- will most likely be an accumulation fund. And it is, is it normal for some couples before splitting one to have? heaps of super and the other to have none Mm. or is it usually pretty even no it's like you said it depends on whether they've been children or not but once someone starts taking time off work having babies and raising them even though there is a a maternity leave paid to a lot of people now uh, it doesn't pay their super and you'll see um usually the mother falling further behind the the husband with super so it's very Mm. rare to find both parties have equal super. And we've had a lot of our members write in, Mum, the saying it's actually them that have most of the super. Isn't that like, great? They, yeah. They have some maybe their 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 exes were, I don't know, not not in the working capacity or who think, knows what. But it it is change times are changing. They are. I think someone told me their husband had a loose and informal relationship with work. <laughs> Loose and informal relationship. With them. There you go. That's yeah. a lovely way of putting it. Someone's put that through that GPT. Yeah. yeah. Please tell me how to say they're lazy bums. Yes. Not in, um, but no, but there, look, there are circumstances where people don't. Yeah. And I know a lot of uh, business people, I think in the old days, could choose to not pay themselves super. Oh, they still can choose to not. If you've got your own company or your ex has their own company, I think self-employed people are pretty rubbish at saving up for super, except I've seen it, they put more in as they get older and it suddenly seems more real and it might be tax effective. But yes, they're not very good at putting super away. All right. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay. Can super be moved from one person's name to another person's neck. Can say you are married and you're divorcing, and your ex has a hundred a million dollars in super, and you have zero dollars in super. Is it determined in the divorce to make sure that the super is even, or is super somehow included in the asset pool? Wow, that's a mouthful of a question, Laura. <laughs> I <laughs> asked questions. so many questions. Sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, a little bit of history. So up until two thousand, uh, you couldn't 
put superannuation in your calculations of what is the what are the assets of the parties simply because superannuation is always held by a trust and mm. all that the the members of the trust have is a right to do administration of the trust but they couldn't demand their million dollars out of this superannuation until they had reached their age of you know preservation age whether it was 55 60 65 so it wasn't actually an asset the court regarded it as an, as a financial resource resource only and that meant that they couldn't share it with their wives so to do the justice it, it used to be men in those days who had more super the court would end up giving all of the existing assets except the super to one person and the and the, so they had no nothing for their future but they had all the assets now and uh, the person with the super really had nothing but great expectations of when mm. they got that. It was so unjust. And, you know, they'd end up sleeping in the back, back room at their mum's again, you know, at, at 50 having to start again with nothing. So anyway, in 2000, the government did a deal with the superannuation funds and they have agreed to split the super now. And so there is, it's, they introduced two things, super flagging, which we don't do much anymore, and that would be for a fund that you can't split. But nearly mm-hmm. every fund is splittable. That is, any fu- any money over $5,000, I think, is the lower level. If it's over 5000 it can be divided between you both. It's a complicated mechanism and the orders are a bit tricky on doing it, but we do it all the time. So, yes, you can divide super, and therefore it gets added in as property. So, the typical property pool for a, you know, mum and dad is going to be usually the house, whatever equity is left in the house, that is the value minus the debt, uh, the cars, the furniture, um, and super, each of their super. And so we usually are splitting the super just as we would divide the proceeds of the sale of a house. So basically the super goes in the asset pool, yep. it's just added to the number and then the percentage that's decided at the end is how it's split. But but yeah. getting to that, does it matter how you split it if their ages are mm. getting older? Like what's the rules yeah. with that? So there's a world of of pain in the adding it in as property and then do the split because right from the very beginning when these cases happened, the case of Hickey and Hickey identified pretty early on that a dollar in superannuation when you're going in for 20 years' time, you're going to get a dollar from your super fund or $5 from your super fund. That's not worth as much as getting $5 in cash now to people, you know. So they discount the superannuation money a little bit. You So they don't generally... Even though they add it all up, super super assets and non-superannuation assets and add up the total pool, the reality is the court does treat them slightly differently. Now, with really young people, uh, like up to their 35 or whatever, the court will generally say, let's just make their superannuation even for going forward. Okay, but if someone's got a lot of children and or there's going to be a reason they can't work as much, they might get more than half or they might get less and get more of the dollar figures. So I know that sounds complicated, but it's how you make up the order someone gets. So you give them a proportion of super and a proportion of the other assets and Mm -hmm. try to work out a way that looking forward is best for them. Now, I think if anyone's head is exploding right now and going, oh my gosh, no, it's not your fault, Mark. It's because we're not lawyers. We have done some really great episodes on future needs 
that come into to play for your property settlement and come into the percentage play. We've also done on your contributions before, during and after and non-financial and financial contributions. If you listen to those episodes, they might give you a better understanding of how the split might go. If you do our course, you can use our worksheets and work through the lessons and come it up. Come up with, like you said, mum, our members do come up with a pretty good percentage. They pretty do. close. They're pretty good. Do. So go and listen to those episodes if this is a little bit too much for you, but, and then come back to this one. So you yeah. understand that super is dealt with a little bit differently as, as mum has it, just it, said. It took lawyers a long time to get our heads around it. And I do remember a judge who has retired now saying to the, a group of family lawyers, he says, it's not tricky. Just think hickey. But we took, we took ages to get our heads around the way that it should work. And you and guys are such nerds. <laughs> we are. And we all laughed. I'm sorry to say, but that's because it was a judge. <laughs> oh, yes, Your Honour. Not oh, laughing because funny. Hickey, hickey is also uh, a term I'm, used for a I'm, mark on your neck from making out. <laughs> I definitely knew. <laughs> That's yes, what those band aids were. I used to cover it up with makeup after dance, mum. Anyway, you thought you did. So, <laughs> my next question then is okay, you're going to put the super in your asset pool of, you know, yeah. roughly. How do you know what this super is worth? Is it based on the, the statement you get on your piece of paper, or is it based on what it will be worth in the future, or is it based on what it was worth? When you split, like how do you okay. figure that out? Okay, so the super value is as of today. What it, whenever you're doing the split, it's the value as of today. And uh, with accumulation funds, you can just look at the statement and go, oh, he's got $426,000 in super and that's an accumulation fund. That's the amount, right? right? And that's what you put into your table of assets and liabilities. If it's a defined benefit fund, you'll have no clue. You'll have no clue of what it's worth and it will need to be valued. And yes, there are poor souls who spend their days valuing superannuation and it involves actuarial tables and, and all. So that's a lot, a lot of military funds have to be valued that way and that they have military uh, superannuation or if they've been, um, in, invalidity payment. Well, the procedure for doing it is an act, actual act of parliament and there's a, there's a, the process set out. I've followed it once, but my head was spinning. And so we use valuers um, who do nothing but value those sort of super funds. So that what looks on paper like a modest, let's say, $1,700 a fortnight payment to them, um, to find out what that means in dollar terms, they do calculate on their age um, and it may come back. I've seen one not different to that come back at uh, $1.2 million dollars. So it yours the ones our listeners might not have that bigger one on the other side or in their hands, but they need to know. You just can't mm. go off the number. Do people go out and get these valued themselves, or do they ask the person who owns the super to get it valued, or is it like a house? Okay, so no, if the the person who owns the super is just like, well, this other person's our customer. I don't, we don't know you, and you know. You have to put in a proper form six superannuation information form and we'll give you some information, but it's just enough information for you to go and get evaluation. Because you're trying to usually extract it from the other person, you go and get it valued. If you're wanting a split of it, you go get it valued. Okay. So the warning I think you're saying here is, and of course, this is all general education. Mm -hmm. You should definitely see a lawyer get legal advice for super. But if your ex or you have a superannuation fund that's like that, that in that way, you should, 
yeah get to find benefit go and get it valued don't just take their word for it yeah and that's right and and you can if you've got a rough idea about their fund um i think you're probably going to touch on this next you can find out what how much they've got yeah. That was our next question because we, you, do, you do our member Q&As every week with yeah. our lovely members, which is where we get some great ideas for oh, this podcast, actually. Yeah. But, you know, I, I know to do the finding out as well, but one of our lovely members couldn't couldn't remember oh, and didn't yeah. do our checklist. If you haven't done our checklist, please go do our before you leave checklist and got didn't have a copy of a superannuation statement mm. from the ex and the ex wasn't disclosing. Mm. So how do you find out if you've got a pain in the butt ex who's not disclosing? Well, the super is. It, it is a bit tricky in the if you haven't gone to court. But if you've mm. gone to court, if you've started court proceedings, then on the portal, there is a little tab where you can just click on and fill in a search and the um, it's straight to the Australian Taxation Office, the ATO, and it will come back with all the super funds owned by that person. Wow. Yes, I know, which is great. So that really helps. But, of course, if it's defined benefit or whatever, it'll still have to be valued. But it's a nice way to do a little sweep of the country and make sure they haven't got one hidden away. That's only fairly new and I'm very happy with it. Mostly, though, people have a rough idea you know, and uh, mm. and so they say, oh, yes, I used to see stuff come in from Host Plus or Q Super or Retirement Trust or whatever, and then you can fill in a superannuation information form, Form 6, and send that off to the superannuation fund and ask them to give you all of these details. And there's a list of questions they're supposed to answer. By the way, if you are filling out a Form 6, don't panic. It's such a big document, but you only actually have to sign in two places. And it's meant that I think it was designed so the super funds could write yes, no, or so many dollars. But of course, they just produce their own document. Um, but okay. we're all doing and it. Yeah. Where can you find the form six? You can find it on the FCFCOA website. So right. go into resources and go into forms. And it, I think for once it might be called a superannuation information form as you would expect it to be. So, it's, so look under S. As okay, opposed to looking under I if you want to start court proceedings, but oh, I for initiating yeah. proceedings. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So you can use the SIF form to get information yes. if you're in the court. That's, yes, you I use, yeah. You can use the little cheeky tab to check. Is there any other way to find this information out? Because if you have to send the SIF form to the superannuation company, or can yes. you just send a SIF form to every superannuation company you can think of? Well, I... I don't know about that, but normally, uh, remember, we're also relying a little bit on disclosure, okay, and you should be able to see where the money goes into the super. But if you if you don't know, well, then it's tricky <laughs> if you don't know. Right. Uh, it's better then it, to go to court and then you will find out because you can use that button. And if, if mm-hmm. non-disclosure is a good reason to go to court because you're wasting your time trying to negotiate if they've not not going to tell you what's in their super fund. Once you know their super fund name, then you send the form six and get that information. Okay. Hmm. Um, I have heard some people say, uh, actually we've had people say, uh, we don't have any assets, we don't have a car, we're renting, there's not really much, all we've got is our super, so there's nothing. No, no, super's something. What do you say to yeah, I say to them, your future self will thank you 
for taking a share of the super. So a lot of um, FIFO workers have massive super funds and a lot of military do as well. And it might seem irrelevant to you it, as far as getting your, a roof over your head and, and uh, food in your tummy and keep going to work. You just try to get your life back in order. It all seems a bit hard to think that far forward. And if that's the big stumbling block, you might be tempted to go, oh, look, he can keep it. But the reality is it's not fair. If you do it as a consent order, usually the court's not going to let you walk away with no super or a very unequal super. Uh, of course, it does commit, like, you know how we've talked in the podcast before about how you work out contributions before, during and after and all of that. There's a if a party comes into a relationship with a super fund, say say $100,000 worth of super, they only live together for, say, three years, um, and the super at that stage is $120,000, there's certainly an argument for the person to say, well, I had 100 of that before we got together, so it should really go back to me as my contribution, and I'm happy to split the 20 with her or him, you know, and we'll give her half of that. So there's... There is an element of pre-existing um, ownership and the value of that that goes in, just like if you owned a house beforehand, you know, it's some value. What about with people who have exes that uh, they've got so much super mm. but they they don't have any actual assets and you really want to get some cash but they've only got super do you have to walk away then with a property settlement of just getting superannuation with no assets? Are you living separated under one roof or are you about to leave your partner? Please go and download our free before you go checklist, a list of things that have been created by Lynn Galvin, a family lawyer specialist of 35 years, of all the things she wished her clients had collected before they'd left. Save yourself a lot of money, subpoena heartache and drama and disclosure issues by doing this checklist before you go. If say, go to www.thedivorcecourse.com and click on before you go checklist they've got so much super but they they don't have any actual assets and you really want to get some cash but they've only got super do you have to walk away then with a property settlement of just getting superannuation with no assets yeah you might have to you might have right. to you might if you can't support yourself you might need to think about some maintenance from them. But, yes, sometimes it feels like a bit of a you're spending today's dollars on court fees and lawyers to get dollars for tomorrow. It seems mm. a bit odd, you know. But, mm. yeah, there are there are cases where there's only the superannuation to split. What about de facto relationships? Really, you know, short, like mm. you just mentioned, three years, short de facto relationships, is it? Super splitting dealt differently there or? No, well, the court applies the same like rules as they do to other property. So it was a pre, it was an pre existing asset. There's been a brief relationship, minimal contributions by that person, but they also look at it might be a three year de facto say relationship. However, there's a child, you know, then the court's going to go, well, going forward, this, this person needs a share of that superannuation. And so they might actually give more than you would think um, of the superannuation. If that's the only asset that is there to be divided, then it certainly won't be divided in, on the basis of contributions that um, the person who doesn't have super will be getting some on the basis of her future needs in terms of uh, continuing care of the child, even if the child is divided, be, you know, living between the two households. 
So it's it's not a straight um, yes or no. But I must say, I have noticed a bit of a trend, but it was more in Melbourne, uh, where if the parties are young, they just say, well, we'll make the super equal. So they've both got the same to start off with. And then they deal with the other property differently. Ooh. You might get 70% of the other property. And see, there's there's this difference between like, you can understand some people want more super than some people love their super and it's like, mm. don't touch my super. And and yeah. some people aren't bothered. They just want money now so they can get a roof over their head or whatever. And so it's wonderful if you get one of each in a relationship because, mm. you know, it'll be the, the super stays intact and the other person gets all the cash or most of the cash. What are the tax implications? I know you're not a tax person oh, or a financial boy, not advisor, a <laughs> but is there, is there a warning that you just want to tell people? You don't know the exact rules, but is there a warning you want to tell to people when considering doing tax, uh, super splits, et cetera, mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to tax or is there nothing? I'd, nothing that I'm aware of. It just, okay. so when you, do you want to know how they split super? It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, so, there's a lot of palaver. You've got to send your draft orders and they've got to approve it and they've got ostensibly 28 days before they approve it. And then if your order is correct, it will say something along the lines of court under Section 90XS, that's de facto, right, as well. The following orders can be made to a superannuation fund and they go, they say whenever a super, whenever a splittable payment is, is to be made to the person who is already a member, then the other person gets this amount. Now, when you read that and you think, what, every time he gets $500, I get $500. But actually what happens is they immediately make a separate fund for you. So say say your husband or husband's in Host, Host Plus or something and you're in uh, Suncorp, they will make a, a fund for you in Host Plus and transfer across the amount of money that the, the court decides is the base amount. So maybe it's a hundred thousand, and that means you've got a, a host plus account of a hundred thousand, and the, and your ex's host plus account just went down by a hundred thousand. So then you have your own super fund there, so own entitlement in that fund. Then most people take that out of that fund and put it in their Sun Super or whatever it is that they've got going. So, but it is it's in, an interesting way of doing it, and the reason it's so tricky, in my opinion, is because the Family Law Act was never meant for for that to happen we it was never drafted for that to happen and frankly the commonwealth government doesn't have really have the power to do things with superannuation because it, technically it's not to do with marriage you know and they're mm. binding a third person they're binding the superannuation trustees so so they've come up with this convoluted sort of uh compromise between everybody and really we just follow the words put them in send it off and we don't even know. We might say the base amount is a hundred thousand dollars, say, and when the money gets into our client's account, it could be three hundred or thirty thousand. Sorry, three thousand less or three thousand more. It depends on the day that they split it. But yeah, wow. that's how they do it. It's quite complicated. So if you're going to get a super fund split, you would have that in the orders, and then you've got to serve the orders on the on the fund, and they've got four days uh, for it to be effective, and then they make your your share up. What happens if you find out later that they had a completely different super fund? Wow. Yeah, that'd be like if you went consent orders and, and you just relied on what they said. Okay. Mm. Uh, well, then they've lied 
that means the consent orders are uh, uh, voidable. Like the court will say, all right, we'll overturn those consent orders because there wasn't full disclosure. There was full, mm. there was a misapprehension as to the true facts, and the orders would not were, that were made are not uh, just and equitable in the eyes of the court. So they'll turn them over. Mm. What about and and I know I always ask you this question when it comes to any topic in divorce. Are there any sneaky tricks that you've seen happen mm. in the divorce process when it comes to super? Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. So. It's all very well when the super is in the big firm's names, but under a self-managed super fund, all sorts of shenanigans can go on once once someone decides to to not follow the rules, okay? Right. So um, it, there, you have the superannuation fund that the wife knows about or the husband knows about and it was a self-managed super fund and there was, uh, I don't know, um, $800,000 in it two years ago. Suddenly... There's only $200,000 in it. You know that's not from shares trading up and down. So then what they've done, obviously, is put some money over into a, another super fund, which they're not disclosing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's that sort of shenanigan. Sometimes uh, self-managed super funds are used to buy property. Then the property uh, can get trashed or the property might not be able to be sold. So you end up with sort of a situation where it, it's, can't you can't really split a house if you can't find the cash and you can't sell it? Mm. Then the court might leave the super in the name of the person whose name it is, you know, or the shares. I guess like in a self-managed super fund, the traditional thing is a husband and a wife each hold about fifty percent each, and so it's mm. really hard if you can't sell the house to split your super. Up. And also, Jeez. if the, if one person's got control of the super fund, when you send your form six superannuation information form, they are filling it in themselves and giving it back to you. Well, that's. I was going to ask that with the SIF fund. Well, you're not sending it off to some office building. You're sending it off to someone who manages it themselves. But yeah, so you've got to rely on them to be honest. Yeah, the way I get around that is you either subpoena the accountants, or if they are actually managing it, you might be able to send an SIF to the accountants and see what's what. But a lot of funds, self-managed super funds, aren't always compliant. You know, they're not within the rules, and sometimes, actually, quite quite a few lately have found the partners have found out after separation that the fund is non-compliant and then we don't know what the penalties are that the tax department's going to issue you know it's really tricky and people feel exposed because if you're busy in a relationship and one person's got control of one thing you just sign what you need to sign and you assume they're doing the right thing and then you find out Mm. later that they haven't been is there any argument for anyone out there that they can say they should not could not touch my super I earned it. It's all mine. No. 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 But it's been tried. When So when you're working out who gets what, like who gets super, who gets property, that's what I was saying about what their preference is. Some people wrap their super around them like a cosy sort of dressing gown and that's my super and I need my super. So you go, fine, you have that and our client will have most of the sale of the house, most of the proceeds from the house so they can set up their own place. So that works well if one person doesn't want super particularly and some one person does. Sometimes there's a fight over keeping the super because neither of them want super. They want the cash. No, you have the super. No, you have the super. So usually we'll be 
given less of the non-super assets and more super because they don't need as much cash to set themselves up and start up a new life like bond and rent. Usually the person in the lowest paying job and who's least likely to be able to get a big loan would would then um, take a small amount of super and the majority maybe of the non-super assets. So that's, that's just the way some things work out. And we've also talked in that I really, really want to keep the house yeah. and out-of-box idea ways to keep yep. the house about using the super to find to get that bit if you yep. can get away with negotiating that to, yep. to buy your partner out, your ex out, so you can have the house. Do you know, I think you touched on this in the intro, The way, one of the ways to find out if super is really, 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 really important to your ex is, one, if they try to extract, extract a promise from you as you're leaving that you won't touch their super. I, I don't know what touch, you won't touch my super, I won't touch his super. I promised I won't touch his super. What? Yes. <laughs> and yes. that often gets wrung out of somebody as a, as a, as a last-minute thing, and that tells me that to that person, Come that they're leaving. Super's really important, so I've got my bargaining chip. I know my the Achilles heel. It's the super, mm. Uh, and mm. then the trouble is, then sometimes the people who've said that have said it as they're trying to get out the door, or as they're guilty, feeling guilty, or they just would say anything to get safely out, and then they feel like they're bound by it. You're not bound by it, guys. You're not bound yeah. by it. Anything that's sort of extracted from you like that, and you hadn't had legal advice, but it's really your future self will thank you for that nest egg that you've got. So really it comes down to, yes, you might have felt guilty and said, no, I promise I won't touch your super. I know how hard you worked. I know, all you know, you can still change your mind if you're looking down the barrel of a very bleak future or if you've come to the realisation that you should deserve to get what is fair, you also worked hard. Yep, and you know what? I think the person that gets that promise from you is a manipulative and controlling person and they probably have been that way throughout the relationship. So, you mm. know, your, your super, uh, getting some of their super is just a proper use of the judiciary process so that you've got something going forward. And the other way I can tell if a person really, really, really loves their super, we should do one, I really, really, really want to keep my super because, and one of the other things is I, I say to my clients, so was he very open? Was she very open about her superannuation? No, um, no, no. We used to get our super to a PO box. He'd leave the envelope face down. I wasn't allowed to look. He locked the top of the drawer. So, you know, all of those things, which now looking back, the person's going, hang on a minute. But look at mm. the time, you just don't bother. If you're mm. easygoing, you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? To be completely honest, hum, and this, I don't know if you knew this, I did not even think about super during my separation until a lawyer mentioned it and I went, oh, what? So I think even though to you and now to me and to people in the legal industry, they must think it's a no-brainer, everybody knows super gets Mm -hmm. split. I think there are so many people out there who think that super is no, no touchy. Yeah, I think you might be right. And it's interesting that you say that because it's so normal to me now but it was so mm. alien to me 20 years ago, really hard mm. to understand. That's a very interesting have, point. 
I have a question that I think is only cropped up since about 2020 mm. when a certain uh, pandemic occurred and mm. the government in Australia made a rule where people could take some money out of their super. And there was a lot of people that did that at the time, whether they needed it or not. And it's great that was a, you know, an option for people. But how does that affect property settlement? Have you had anything where they're like, he, she took all the money out, you know, during that pandemic? Like, mm. do you? Yeah. What happens then? Yeah, and I've had more often I've had my clients saying, I took money out to, to support us during the pandemic. Now my super's gone down and he didn't mm. take anything out of his. Uh, it depends what you used it for, okay? Right. Um, because the court is looking again at your contributions before, during and after. And if you've withdrawn down on your super and contributed the money to the house, that's a, that's a during the relationship extra contribution that gets added in. The court just does the percentages. But yes, there, there were a lot of people who just went for their super and took out whatever they could mm. time. And, you know, they were uncertain time. Mm. Yeah. So if, if you've got, if your ex or you have a super fund and you run it down, you run it and that you can see it, you're like, well, that used to have, you know, a million in it. Now it's only got 250,000. Where's all that money gone? What do you tell those people apart from run to a lawyer? I to say, don't walk, run to an accountant. Yes. And find out how to get out of the mess. Because if you're a director, and a lot of people are director of the, of the trustee, the corporate trustee, if they've got a director of the company, then you're liable as well as your partner, even if you didn't do the wrong thing, you know? So. Oh, cause these are self-managed super funds yeah, with the money. Self-managed super funds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pretty hard for money to go missing in other funds because they're managed properly with the proper rules. That's right. Some people just treat the super fund, their self-managed super fund, as like a personal little thing to, you know, borrow money out when they need it and put it back in. I know it freaks me out too because the consequences are massive, but sometimes you don't know until after. You've separated. So, super in a nutshell is very confusing and complex, but <laughs> but lawyers have been doing it for a long time since twenty two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. You know, though, I can't believe we've never done an episode on superannuation. Mum, I think you were scared of doing it. <laughs> I think you said, "I'm not sure." I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> No, no, I know you're not scared yeah. of anything. No, look, we, we have touched on it in those mm. property episodes. I will put them in the show yeah. notes. Click on the show notes, scroll down, click on the links to the other episodes. Yeah. But yes, look, look, to be honest, superannuation to me is so boring. But <laughs> when it comes down to it, it is a lot of money usually that you can have in your retirement that may be the difference between you being on a pension and living from week to week. And, and look, I'm not completely across the pension, but mm. I do see current affair TV shows all the time saying, how can these people live on, yeah. I don't know, $17 a day or whatever it is. So you would rather not be in that yeah. situation and have super as a support. Like, like I said, Laura, I mean, I wasn't interested in super either at your age. Uh, it's mm. a lot more interesting to me now, you know, from a personal yes. point of view. Um, and, you know, your future self, guys, will thank you. Uh, yeah for this and your kids probably because it'll yeah. be your kids that will have to look after you <laughs> and you be in a granny flat out the back of your kid's house which mum you're always welcome to live out no, the house, not, but there are a lot of no steps. i'm going to have you come up here and mind me look after me <laughs> <laughs> so all right thank you mum so much for sharing your knowledge thank you to everyone i think we should quickly do oh i love this is this a podcast review? review yeah yes 
So this one is called You Need This Team in Your Corner. That sounds nice. By Pipstar75. I'm so glad I found Laura and Lynn in the early days of my separation. I've navigated some incredibly rocky roads on my way out of my marriage, but the divorce course and the podcast helped me see my ex's behavior for what it was, gave me the tools to navigate the process and ensured I advocated for myself and my kids when the going got tough. Thanks for helping me stay sane, focus on the issues and keep doing the little things to keep things moving in brackets with lots of cup of tea and chocolate, <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, I will always be grateful for the love, support, and kindness from Laura and Lynn and the whole DC community. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, isn't that lovely? Okay, so thank you, Pipstar. If you email us at the Divorce Course Podcast at gmail.com, I can arrange a free chat with mum for that lovely review. Thank you. And on top of all of that, if you are on Spotify, we do a little poll every week and you can jump on Spotify and the poll for this week, what would you like the poll to be, mum? What question do you want to ask them about Super? Have you have you ever said I'm not going to touch your super? <laughs> have you ever said I'm not going to touch your super? Yeah. I would love to know just a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. That would be great in our poll because we like um it's a, it's a great way for us to interact back with you as yeah. well. Yeah. So that's on Spotify. You just click on the interact and go in there and 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 you can um, vote in the poll. And actually, you can go and vote on a lot of the polls in the um, Spotify area. So thank you, Mum, for your time and good luck to everybody out there with their superannuation search and superannuation journey. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since...